Hey James, this might be a weird question, but I'm filling out the form so we can donate blood together this weekend. Do you know what blood group you are? Oh, I'm O+. What? No, come on now, James. You're not hopeless. Donating blood is a good thing. Cheer up, man. You're so good at doing good things. Be hopeful, not hopeless. What? No, I'm O+, O positive. You asked me for my blood group. I'm O positive. Yeah, you seem chipper. What, you think you're better than me? Being O so positive? Well, I'll tell you something. You've never really been a very good uh, friend to me. What are you on about? You asked me what blood group I was and now I'm suddenly not a good friend? You're being really negative all of a sudden. No, no, I'm A positive. What? A positive. That's my blood type. I'm donating this weekend. I'm about to donate your blood type all over the living room rug in a minute. Oh, the play on words are just amazing. <laughs> I love it. It's all happening in terms of the blood, that's for sure. Uh, welcome to the Get Commanded podcast. It's the GCP brought to you by POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. Now, before we get to the transmission, usually we have a bunch of updates, uh, but wibbly wobbly timey wimey, not entirely sure when this is coming out. So just consider supporting our show. Go to the Patreon. It's mm-hmm. patreon.com slash getcommanded. It's really the best way to support the content that Walt and I make. Plus, you get a bunch of good benefits like playing with us and getting a deck makeover and yeah. access to an exclusive Discord channel and all of that cool stuff. So go check it out. Yeah, I don't know. We say it all the time, but these mics would seriously not be here if it wasn't for the patrons. So. And don't we sound amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge upgrade for sure. Uh, but we do have an incoming transmission. So you better get to that. It's from the deep depths of the galaxy, from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. The Commander format is popular and beloved, but not perfect. There are pitfalls and barriers and consequences associated with its ubiquity. I can see the title of this episode already. Yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. The negative episode. The negative episode. It's we where... have had people ask for this before, being yeah. like, you and James are such bloody chipper, positive guys, A positive all the time. Oh, we're about to be oh so negative. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's. I mean, it's not something we do very often. Mm. Um, well, we're, we're generally really positive people. Yeah. Um, and we try and see the best in A, people, mm. and B, the game we love so much. And yeah. And we do think this game is incredible, but this whole episode is what Walt and I think is probably the worst things about the format at large. Yeah. Um, I think the Space Commanders put it in really interestingly. They said pitfalls, barriers, and consequences. Mm. I think we should use that as a bit of a framework for this episode sure. and kind of look at those three things. Yeah. But look, just to clear everything up, there are plenty of things wrong about this format. Mm. And I think this is going to cause a lot of discussion, especially in our Discord, if you've not joined that yet. So if you have any opinions on this, please talk to us. Yeah. But 
we are two positive guys. Yeah. And we're going to try after everything. We will rip into this format. I think we're going <laughs> to let loose. We've been told that we can let loose, which is great. We've been given the invitation. That's yeah. great. Um, but we are going to try and provide some navigation tips. Yeah. We'll call them navigating the tricky bits of our format. Yeah. This is probably a pretty common one for those of you who listen to a lot of our, our podcasts before. But yeah, when we are negative, we try to give you like an avenue out of that negativity, mm. maybe. So yeah, let's let's try and do that for this episode sure. as well. Well, all right. Like the Space Commander said, there's like non-perfect things about the format. There Mm. are pitfalls, barriers, and consequences. So I think we can start with the pitfalls. Yeah. Um, I think this is stuff that is bad as a result of just the format being the way that it is. Right. This is just like the fact that Commander is a multiplayer format, is a singleton format. Like, the yeah. Commander exists the way that it is for a reason. We love a lot of the things about mm-hmm. that, but there are going to be downsides to those things being the way they are. Yeah, and I think the, the the most unique thing about Commander is the fact that it's referred to as the social format. Yeah. Because this is the only format, like the rules committee, even Wizards of the Coast, they all refer to it as the social format of mm. Magic the Gathering. I think it's like the truest form of the gathering part of magic or it has been in recent years i think it's probably the reason it's so popular right like no other format gets you around a kitchen table arguably like commander does Mm. right like literally there's four of you around a table like there's not really any other formats that are well played and popular that do that for you yeah and it it juxtaposes 1v1 really strongly right like the the difference between 1v1 and commander is night and day like 1v1 you build your deck to be as synergistic and as strong as you possibly can Mm -hmm. whereas commander you can build your deck for fun and the purpose of the like the difference between 1v1 and commander is the purpose right yeah 1v1 you are trying to win the game and commander you try to win the game to some extent, but you're trying to have fun. Yeah. That's like the whole point of the format is mm. that you're trying to have fun with your friends. Like, obviously you play Monopoly to win, but <laughs> you're really trying to have a good time with your friends, yeah. right? Yeah. I, d- I think it's a one-to-one with board games in a lot of ways, yeah. Commander. But yeah, in that same way, there are going to be downsides to the us playing the game in that way, right? Like the fact that it's a social format and it relies mm. on socializing to arguably balance some of the aspects of the format means that if that socializing doesn't go well, that's going to be a downside to our format requiring socialization. Yeah. Do you feel weird? Like, because we're about to say the bad stuff. I feel like we've been saying like, this is how the format is. Yeah. And now we're about to do it. I feel like it's trepidatious true. to For sure. basically rip our format apart. But yeah. you're so right. Like the the fact that politics is at the table and all that kind of stuff means that we end up with things like feel bads. Mm. Like even just stuff about our format being so random and kind of luck based. You can get mana screwed. In, in a game yeah. or like for example there could be a stacks piece on the board that just locks one player out of the game mm. and then instead of having fun with your friends you are one out of four players at a table that is not having fun and yeah. you get to watch three of your fan- friends having fun that is horrible I have had that so many times and it like even today like you know I was playing a commander game and I was just like this is kind of not going well for me I'm not doing anything I'm just kind of locked out of this game Mm -hmm. and I was like but I have to sit through it it feels like you're trapped in a prison 
It can be a little bit. I, I mean, we talked about this before, like when we talked about the, the length of the games that we play. But yeah, when, when someone's not having fun in a Commander game, yeah, there's an aspect of, we've sort of, I jokingly referred to it as being held hostage. But there's mm. like a little bit of an aspect of that. Like if you're in a 1v1 game and someone's just got you hosed, they've got all the counter spells, they've got scoop. all the answers. You just scoop and you're like, cool, we'll go game two. Congrats. Well done. You got the game. Let's go game two. But yeah. in Commander, if you scoop, there could be relevant things that happen to other players that aren't in the lead yeah. and you could be pushing them further back or further forward. You could be effectively king-making, right? And that's a whole other thing as well. 1v1 formats don't have that. No. You can't king-make your opponent. That's no. just conceding the game. <laughs> yeah. King-making only exists in our format and it is so hard to navigate socially mm. because you end up with like grudges with friends and like yeah remember these are your friends people that you want to play with and you're ending up in this weird awkward social situation that otherwise wouldn't have happened if you just played pauper yeah like i mean and the thing with king making as well is that like it's such a it's such a tricky territory because people approach the way like we talked about commander being about the fun yeah. people approach that fun differently where like you know i've heard people use the sentence before like ah oh, this won't make me win but i'll come second yeah, I like, hate that personally. Well, me and you are on the same page with this, right? Yeah. We're, we're not people who are considered consider second to place. We consider that the social aspect- It's only of the, winning and winning only. Yeah, the, the social contract even is basically about the fact that we're all trying to win, yeah. right? But there's people who that's not the case for, who are literally like, well, I can take down one player and that's my final blaze of glory. That's what I'm going to do. That's and fun for me. That's fun for me yeah. to, to have, have made some impact on the game in that way. But then, yes, the, the third player in that scenario might be like, well- now I just lose and I don't have any opportunity to do anything about potentially winning. And then in the next game, that player that got knocked out might look at their friend that knocked them out. Completely different game, which it's a new game. You're not holding, you shouldn't be holding any grudges. Mm -hmm. But because of the nature of the social format, that first swing could go to the threat player or because you did me wrong last game, well, I'm going to swing this 6-6 six, six mm, at you. This is sort of a entering like spite plays yeah. kind of territory, right? Which is like, yeah. Or just I'm going to counter your commander because you did something to me earlier, but yeah. your commander isn't a threat at all. Again, this is not really something that we we see in 1v1 Magic. Like in 1v1 Magic, it's justified even, you would say. Yeah. Like, You're oh, trying to is, crack back. This is the spell I lost to last game. I'm definitely going to counter spell that one. Exactly. But yeah, in, in commander, when we move between games and there's not you know in general when we're playing commander we're not playing tournament commander mm. so there's not like a best of three structure going on like the you know the next game that you go to has no bearing on the one before it or the one after mm. except that it does because people hold you know aspects of the game in their memory and i think that it's just a human thing to do mm. i think that like naturally you feel you know like scarred by it like you, yeah you've, you've, the, the wound is still fresh and you're, you're wanting to get back and retaliate mm. and that doesn't happen anywhere else but our format no just no. because of the way the format is yeah and the fact that it is the social format yeah. you know and a, and a casual format at that well in terms of navigating this because mm -hmm. i think that we just recently on an episode maybe five six episodes ago now but we did speak about getting tilted um, yeah. And we, we did have a lot of good advice in that episode about when we personally get tilted and how you can 
implement some strategies to help you and all mm. that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of this does go into tilt. We talked about how the fact that, you know, you might be unfairly targeted. Yeah. So therefore talk to your opponent, try and get a reason or a justification of why they did re remove your permanent, mm. you know, that all, that's a great episode to go listen to. But I think generally the advice for navigating the difficulties of the social format is be very um, Spock-like and the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. <laughs> Try and be very um, altruistic yeah, if you can. I'd say so. I, I, I think it's, it, it's a focus on, yeah, moving from one game to the next and leaving behind some aspect of that. And yeah, certainly the... The episode and what we do when we get tilted will assist with some of those um, those skills. Mm. But yeah, it's a, it's about ha being reasonable with yourself and with the people around you. I think for sure. Most of the advice in that tilted episode was just go to therapy. Yeah, <laughs> just life advice. Really, it yeah. was like our life advice episode disguised as commander content. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> That's why you listen to this podcast, yes, isn't it? Really, you sat there in your car, yeah. currently driving to work, listening to us. <laughs> we know why you're listening. It's. it's it's Spock. <laughs> it's you Spock. want Spock references. We we hear you loud and clear. We'll pro try to provide. What do you what do you think is a problem in our format? Just because of the way the format is structured and how it works. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot because we have such a strong emphasis on rule zero. But the variance that you can get in power level yeah. when you literally sit down at a table with a, any given person, right? Yeah. Any pod at a at a convention at a goat game store even if you go to someone's kitchen table and you never played with that play group before yeah like you got plus one by another one of your play groups yeah and, yeah you it's very easy to find yourself in a territory that is not familiar to you in terms of the the power level that you're prepared for or that you're used to and it can go in either direction like i've mm. i've had as many circumstances where i've sat down in a pod and gone like i think this deck will keep up and been blown out of the water as i have had times where I've sat down and been like, oh, I think this like pretty pre-conish level deck will be adequate for this pod. And I'm playing with people who don't really buy singles. And then you look like a pub stomping. Yeah, fully. Yeah. Like I fully have accidentally pub stomped in games before and been like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> when you guys said this was like pre-conish level, I assumed a, a particular power level that is probably not what you guys had in mind. Yeah, I think like, and also... I know that we have a very good rule zero template and mm -hmm. you, our wonderful listeners, we're hoping you're using that rule zero template. Yeah. But a lot of people still, even though it's a joke in the Magic the Gathering community with commander players, the number scale sucks. It oh, yeah. It never works. And we've talked about why this never works is because everyone describes their deck as a seven. Mm. Um, it's not a seven. No. It's arbitrary. <laughs> like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I also think... The, the whole, like, fact that everything is so out of whack, like, the power level variance is so different. Like, mm -hmm. you can have a, someone that's just bought a pre-con or made a deck out of their jank that they have with commons and random bulk commons yep. compared to a CDH-tuned list. Mm. I think the fact that that's there is terrible, but also the fact that that's there means you have to have conversations even if it's what power level is your deck, it's a seven. Mm. You have to start that. And I think for some people, that can be A, really confronting. Yeah. Um, like, you know, a lot of us nerds are not socially equipped to, no. to start those challenging conversations. Definitely not. But I also think, like, there are other people, and I'm not outing anyone specifically, but some people at LGSs are just not that good at communicating the power level of their deck. Look, if we're, if we're calling people out a little bit on this episode, I want to talk about people who actively avoid describing their decks. I have met people mm. who... Not many people will admit to the fact that they don't like it, but I've 
I'm certain based on the way some people have talked about this before that some people I know who I play with at my LGS do not like describing their decks at all. And they say like, oh, don't worry about it. Let's just play. Yeah. If honestly, like on this episode, happy because this is the negative episode. Mm -hmm. If you experience someone like this, call them out and walk away. Yeah. I genuinely think those people don't deserve to play the wonderful format that we do have. Mm. They're not respecting it in a way. Or, you know, if, you, if you're if you at a table and you think that probably some number of the people at the table are likely to want to engage in those conversations, feel free to just be like, well, I think it's pretty important to like me and, you know, my friend James here that we actually describe our decks because I've got a bunch of decks and I want to pull out the right one. Like yeah. there's, there's ways of, of, of um, sort of like roping someone yeah. into this conversation that don't say like, yeah, you know, calling them out immediately as well yeah um completely agree i think that like anyone that is avoiding that or people that like try and do the sometimes with like trusted play groups i'm cool with this um like the hidden commander and they don't tell you anything about Mm. what the deck is trying to do and like they genuinely want to make it a funny joke that they're about to pub stomp you with their latest like they think it's funny yeah that is terrible that's a terrible thing about our format yeah like if you're doing it with a trusted pod I think that's fine. And mm. your friends are ready to be annihilated by a new yeah. deck. That's absolutely fine. And if you are all in an agreement that that's a okay thing, that's fine. But if you're doing it to strangers or people you don't really play with or even hang out with outside of your LGS, mm-hmm. I don't think you're a very nice person. No, no. You, you really need to go into those untrusted playgroups. And we're using trusted and untrusted here, by the way, mm. in the way that the um, rules committee described trusted, untrusted. So, you know, trusted would be me and James and some friends playing at the kitchen table. Untrusted is rocking up at an LGS. Or a convention, like convention, we did at PAX. Yeah, anywhere you haven't been really been before or with players you don't normally play with. Yeah. And yeah, if you're going into untrusted pods and you're sort of pulling out a deck and being like, oh, let's just see what happens. Like, don't do that. Don't it's, do that. It's actively not what you should be doing. Please but yeah, don't. it's a downside to our format that... There's no rule that prevents you from doing that. You know yes. what I mean? Like, it's not like a, a judge is going to come over and DQ you for doing that. Like, well, it's a social foot. There is no there's DQing. No judge. There's yeah. no. It's you're trying to play for fun, and you're taking the fun away from other people. Yeah. And I think that genuinely, how to navigate this bit is use our rule zero template. Firstly, mm-hmm. um, we've talked about this on a bunch of different episodes, but for those that don't know, our rule zero template is essentially four questions. Mm-hmm. The first question is, how does your deck win? Yep. Which is, tell us the strategy and the kind of win condition that you're you're trying to set up mm-hmm. and maybe even pull out a few cards to show us your win con. Like if you resolve this spell and you've got the right setup on board, you should win the game. This is my Mo companion deck. I'm trying to put a bunch of plus one counters on stuff. I might win with commander damage here's my overwhelming stampede in the deck thank you for the example Mm -hmm. question two is how consistently does your deck win so this is more about like um are you running good mana acceleration or tutors even or Mm. even stuff that makes your deck hyper consistent like redundancy for your commander or accelerance for your commander like hyper like hyper good enhancements like uh, enhances in the deck like Panharmonicon style effects. Yep. Uh, my Mowu deck has a few ways to get extra counters on stuff. It can definitely do the mono green thing of sinking a bunch of mana and just having an absolutely enormous board, but I will fold to a board wipe and I have no tutors in the deck. Nice. All right. I'm getting a better idea for where Mowu is at. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third question is how does it stop me from winning, your opponent? How does your deck stop your opponent from winning the game? Is it just basic removal, like targeted? Are you running a lot of board wipes over the five mana? Mm-hmm or under in kind of that that range or are you running stacks effects or counter spells mm. 
my Mowu deck is just playing targeted removal. I don't have any stacks effects or anything like that. I do have this la uh, card that can destroy all the non-basic lands, but you get a basic land for every land I destroy, and it's a seven mana sorcery that I hardly ever cast anyway. Otherwise, I'm just doing the targeted removal thing and hoping that I can beat you before you beat me. Fantastic. All right, I'm getting a good idea about your deck. The fourth question is... How much experience do you have playing Commander? Now, we've just recently kind of added this question. Yeah. Because this makes a deck perform different. Mm -hmm. If you give my Tornos deck, for example, very complicated deck to a, someone that's never played it before and never played Magic before, mm. they're not going to have a clue what to do with it. No. But if you give it to Reed Duke who is known for like playing the control tap on tap, you know, complicated stuff. He's going to play that deck better than me. Yeah. So like how much experience have you got playing Commander? I've been playing pretty avidly for the last three years. I host this podcast called Get Commander. It's you quite totally good. Listen. You should this, totally check it out. By the way, this is actually what we do in every real deal conversation we have. <laughs> Just mentioned Get Commander. I get Commander, Get Commander, Get Commander. Um, no, <laughs> I, I've only been playing for the last three years, but I play very avidly. I've got many, many decks uh, and I play pretty much every week. So I'm about as experienced as they come. Multiple times a week as well. You're yeah. very invested in content. 100%. So there you go. Those four questions give you a really good insight on how your deck and you as a pilot function and should give your opponents a way to pick the right deck to go up against. Yeah. And, you know, it's totally the case, by the way. Like, this is a great template to use when you're arriving at an LGS or any untrusted pods. It's totally cool to shortcut this with a trusted pod. Like, when me and James sit down to play together with, you know, like two of our friends who we play with very, very regularly, we're not going to need that fourth question of how much experience we have. They know mm. how much experience we have. If it's a deck they already know, we might just be like, hey, it's... I might just be like, hey, it's my Mowu deck, you know, sometimes it does Voltron things that most of them is prone to put plus one counters and stuff. I fold to a board wipe. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've played that deck once or twice. I'll get out this deck. It's a similar power. Yeah, that yeah. might be enough. But you know, it's good to have the template so you know where to cut back from yeah. when you are in those trusted play groups. And I reckon... Speaking of trusted playgroups... Yeah, I can see where you're going with this. <laughs> the next pitfall of the format is probably just the playgroup itself. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> having a playgroup actually kind of sucks. There's and having people you play with every time you play Commander can cause some things that are really bad yeah. for, for your friends. Because remember, your playgroup are your friends. Mm. It's a bad thing for your friendship, but also just a bad thing for gameplay. I mean, we mentioned spite plays already. How mm. much worse can spite plays get when you always play with the same people? Like, yeah. those spite plays might be lasting from two to three games ago. Like, when you're playing the same playgroup, sometimes one person might win, like, three games in a row. How friggin' targeted is that player going to be in game number four of that series? Well, like, the other three players are being like, well, I know you're pulling out your pre-con right now, but you won the last three games we played, James. We've got to deal with you. I'm going to make sure you don't have more fun than the rest of us. Yeah, and I'm it, blowing up your soul ring. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, my Colony Heart expedition. <laughs> we don't talk about that, okay? <laughs> Walt did that once. A Colony Heart expedition. You cast a naturalize on a Colony Heart expedition. It was mana efficient, James. <laughs> I had the mana open. I had to use it right then. On a... Freaking... Yeah. Oh, okay. Look, anyway. I regret it. It was wrong. Haha. -ha. <laughs> well, there you go. Walt's just the bad thing about our format. <laughs> <laughs> James with a single bullet could fix the commander format. <laughs> or just a good kick. Uh, <laughs> but I also think that, like, playgroups have that player that 
pretty much always becomes arch enemy. I'm actually mm. going to shout out because I know that he will respect me for doing this. One of our really good friends in our playgroup, Daniel, mm. is a phenomenal player. And when I say phenomenal player, our LGS has run store championships for every season of standard that could possibly be held. And he has not lost one. Like, yeah. he is just the best magic player I think I know. He is so good. For reference, like, every week he comes to Pauper and he grabs one of my decks. And he doesn't build any Pauper decks. He no. just, because Walt has nine now. Yeah. So what, he just picks one at random or you give him one. Well, to like, <laughs> we played today, for those who keeping up, and I was like... I'm going to give Daniel my worst deck and I'm just going to see what happens. And he bloody three owed the entire day with like a very dated and very not meta and honestly fairly bad deck. And he three owed and he was going up against good decks and good players. It wasn't yeah. like he was just like going up against brand new players that were trying pauper for the first time. He was going up against people that have also won store championships. Yeah. Like, he's just good. I play Pauper every week and, like, follow Pauper content creators. And he played against me. And I was playing one of my stronger decks that I've played many, many times before. And I have 3 0'd at Pauper with. And he still beat me. In so, insane. like, that's how strong of a player we're talking about. And as a result of this, Daniel, at any table he sits down at, regardless of what deck he's playing in yep. Commander, or if it's a pre-con, or even if he's playing blindfolded and he's not allowed <laughs> to see what cards everyone else is casting, even if he's sick, like dying on his <laughs> deathbed, even if that man is like, you know, I don't know, like just been shot and people are like ignoring that because he's the threat. He's, he's, he's at the bottom of the Yarra in a tangle of kelp. <laughs> Uh, swimming with the fishies with concrete shoes. And it's like, God damn it. We really need Daniel to deal with Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> but like, seriously, Daniel is so good. And I'm like, he has had it happen to him so many times. We're just sitting down at the table. He's not even played a land yet. Mm. And he's immediately the arch enemy. That's not fair. No. Dan, like, yes, he's a good player and you've got to be aware of that. That's why we have that fourth question in, mm. the, in the template. But just because he's the best player doesn't mean you should target him because he's still... Is he human? He <laughs> He's almost human, He's okay? Almost He's human. pretty close. I'm sure he has, like, a part of a heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, he is a human. Yeah. And the, the best players in your playgroup and at your LGS are human. Yeah. And if you're just targeting them because they're the best player... That must suck for them. Yeah. They must hate playing Commander with you. And they will lose, like, very early in a game and then watch the player who was the actual threat win and turn to you and justifiably say... What were you doing? Yeah. Look at what you did. <laughs> you guys lost to this and I could have helped you out of it or yeah. whatever. Like, well, and the other thing that can happen, yeah. I think, as a result of like a particular player or a particular deck dominating in this way in a playgroup is you can get in a bit of an arms race. Yeah. And we've spoken at length about silver, silver bullet, bullet cards, yeah. for instance, which is, you know, when people start going like, oh, you know, Daniel's always playing these super combat-based decks. I'm going to play my Meron deck and I'm going to loop Sporefrog every single time Daniel goes to combat. And it's like, cool, you have single-handedly dealt with that one player and now the other two players do whatever they want and that player is miserable. And also now Daniel's going to look at your Sporefrog and go, oh, Jesus, I need to deal with Sporefrog. I'm going to put a Tormod's Crypt in my deck to yeah. make sure I can deal with, with that. And then you're going to go, oh, now he's got Tormod's Crypt. Yeah. So now you're just playing of who has a spore frog. <laughs> like, it's not a fun game. No. I talk about the example that I used against <laughs> you a lot. I used to yeah. run a card called Stigma Lasher. 
Look it up, it's terrible. It has the line of text on it that if it deals damage to a player, that player can't gain life for the rest of the game. Mm. Doesn't get an emblem or it's not like just that's a rule of the game now. Yeah. And I used to play it specifically against Paul Walt, my my <laughs> best friend. <laughs> Because he built an Azor the Lawbringer life gain and card draw matters deck. And yep. I was just like, if I can stop the card, if I can stop the life gain, I stop Aetherflux Reservoir. Yeah. I stop all this stuff. But did that card do anything else in my Niv-Mizzet deck? <laughs> this wither creature? That, no. No. It's not good for your deck and no. it's not good for other people. This is a shit thing that happens because <laughs> we have playgroups. <laughs> I'd like to out myself, by the way, and say that during that same period of time, I was putting cards in my decks to deal with your niv misses deck. Oh, yeah, you were talking about, like, you had, like, cards that your creatures couldn't be dealt non-combat damage. Yeah, I had, a, I had and... a two-mana aura that said for any non-combat damage that would be dealt to creatures you control. That line of text is never relevant <laughs> except against a commander that specifically deals non-combat damage, like niv Visit Perun. The rest of the time, it's like, cool... I block. My creatures take regular damage yeah. like they normally would. Whoops. Whoops. Yeah. But um, look. Didn't help me. Yeah. To navigate the playgroup. Mm -hmm. Because yes, we, we love our friends. So talk to each other like adults. This is something that Walt and I are doing so well now. I actually think we're really, really good at this. Mm -hmm. When we get tilted or when we are in these situations of arch enemy effects, we kind of talk to each other or encourage our friends to talk to each other about why were you targeting that player and all this kind of stuff. Mm. I genuinely just thinking talking about it can just help. Like yeah. actually starting a conversation. I mean, we've talked a few times before about Rule Infinity. This was a super early mm. episode of ours, but it's still something we engage in all the time, which is basically the anti-Rule Zero. You know, after that game happens, check in with the players in the game, especially if you can tell that someone's a bit tense or not quite enjoying themselves. Just check in and be like, okay, like... Were there any cards in my deck that you didn't love to see? Were there any effects that I resolved that you didn't like love so much? Mm. You know, did you feel like I described my deck well in the rule zero? Yeah. Or did I kind of, you know, did I maybe underestimate how strong my deck actually was? Like all of these questions will allow someone to have the opportunity to say, oh yeah, actually I don't really love playing against your MoWu deck and maybe we can just take a break from it for a little while. Yeah. Totally reasonable to say and totally reasonable to do. Like I would do that. If someone said to me like, ah, oh, I'm getting a bit sick of dying to lethal combat damage from MoWu, I'd be like, totally fair. I'll shelve it for a while. Yep. And that's, that's what adults do. Yeah. And also take out all your silver bullets. <laughs> you don't need them. That one's easier. Just, actually, just go on to Moxfield now and click delete. <laughs> yeah. And actually uncheck the box that says you own the card. <laughs> Trade it. Take it away. And of course, as always, we're talking about the silver bullet cards. We're not talking about CDH. In CDH, oh. sax pieces are expected and normal yep. and good and healthy for the format. Yes. Um, but you yes. should run Grafticker's Cage. You should run yeah. Curse Totem in decks that can. You definitely should. But that's CDH. That's CDH. Yep. In casual, you do not want to be gaming your playgroup in this way. Win through, you know, targeted removal and and yep. just outplaying and that kind of thing. Like yep. everybody else does. 100%. And look, lastly, before we take a, a, a break that might not cost us a lot of money, mm -hmm. um, I think there's a bit of a result of Commander being an eternal format, firstly, and also having like the largest like collection of cards mm -hmm. and the fact that it's the most brew friendly format on the planet. Like, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of formats like modern, you can learn like most of the decks you'll ever encounter because all of them are the same because they're proven to work. Yeah. Whereas, or there'll be variations on the top decks. Like the, the, the yeah. quote, like off meta brew will still have the same Four 16 staples, cards yeah. that every other deck is playing at the moment. Yeah. And I think that because of this commander gets complicated so quickly. Yeah. Like, the learning curve of this format 
makes you feel like you're climbing some kind of hill that will never ever end because mm. like they're in commander compared to 1v1 there are four board states not two to keep track of so yep. double the amount of permanence and players as well like don't forget you have to keep track of players graveyards their hands life total life totals how much commander damage they've taken and from which commanders infect yep. like there's just so much stuff going on in our format and all of it can happen at once mm -hmm. like all of it you could be playing a uh, doctor who companion deck with time counters against someone playing Atraxa Super Friends and someone else is playing Infect so Proliferator is hyper relevant now oh, and someone yeah. else is casting spells from the graveyard and you've got a little bit of graveyard interaction so you have to be aware of their graveyard. Yeah. That's just a random average game of Commander these yeah. days. There's so much going on. Let alone like all the bloody like mechanics that are coming out. Mm. Like uh, Kicker. Everyone understands Kicker. That's cool. I like to see Kicker reprinted. <laughs> but do you remember when we did that rules episode where I quizzed you on like uh game mechanics. mechanics yeah do you remember what forecast did uh something silly in your upkeep like you're close <laughs> but yeah you couldn't tell me exactly what no, it does no no I don't really remember it either. No. And I wrote that episode. Like, yeah. this is a ridiculous... Like, cards like Limdal's Vault and Wheel of Misfortune exist. We spoke yeah. about this on Reading the Card Won't Explain the Card. This format is friggin' complicated. Yeah. It's so bad. It's true. And we, we spoke at length about this, actually, in the uh, Mental Upkeep episode recently. A few episodes ago now. Yeah, yeah. but, like, it's, it's complicated and it's hard to keep track of. And it's a headache. And yeah, that people justifiably take breaks from Commander and go and play some regular old 60-card magic where it's like, cool, I only have to know about 100 relevant cards here, not... 10,000. Or they take a break and go play like Call of Duty because it's point at the guy and shoot. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the game. That's the full game. Yeah. I Definitely. Think, I think to navigate how complicated it is though, and mm -hmm. I, do, I don't want to come across because a lot of people know that I'm currently studying to become a judge. Yes. I'm sure I'll make content on this, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but I genuinely think it's really healthy for every commander player to take some time to actually learn how the game works. Yeah. Um, you don't have to go on to Judge Academy, rest in peace, and, <laughs> and read all the stuff and watch all the lectures and all that kind of stuff to understand, like, the full game. But at least when you call a judge over for a ruling and they explain it, at least when you get home, maybe try and really understand why the judge said it didn't work. Mm. Or at least ask the judge in person or on our Discord. Say like, hey, thanks Ellie for answering the question and saying like, no, that doesn't work. But why doesn't it work? I, yeah. I want to learn extra stuff. And to be honest, judges, and now that I'm training to be a judge, you get this great thrill of being like, oh, I get to explain to you how layer six works. <laughs> like uh, it's, it's such a wild thing. And like, you know, power toughness uh, FX and all this kind of stuff. Like there's so much detail in our game that is like can be answered yes or no like you're saying can i run one of the new doctor who companions with a shape-shifting commander like a shape-shifter mm. and then a rule a command a judge might go nope you can't why it's because your doctor's companion can only be paired with a time lord doctor not every creature type it specifically has to be time lord doctor and only time lord doctor yep. yeah that was something that i just recently learned so yeah. like what I would advise is maybe checking out some content. I've actually put a link in the show notes for this one for a YouTube channel called Keeping It Casual. Mm. This guy is really great. He makes like short skits on um, YouTube and on TikTok and on Reels. Oh, uh, I've seen you on TikTok before. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Super cool. And he explains it like with 
an example in game. So like yeah. he makes like a scenario where he's playing a game with himself and it's the version of himself that doesn't understand asks the question and the judge version of himself answers the question. It's very it's really entertaining. Good content. Really, really, really good, good content. content and a really good way of learning stuff because it doesn't feel like you're being preached to, which can mm. sometimes be the case with rules, which is totally like not the fault necessarily of the person saying it, but just the fact that it's so complicated. Mm. It's hard to not be a bit like, oh my God, please stop talking. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. keeping it casual is really good at, at walking that line, I would say. I think um, there's a lot of content. Yeah. I mean, even the episode we did a little while ago, reading the card won't explain the card. Mm. Um, we went, did a pretty good deep dive on just like this this phases of and steps of the turn we did do that didn't we replacement effects versus triggered abilities like just understanding even just those two if you understand yeah. the phases of the turn triggered abilities versus replacement effects you can figure out so many problems with the game very very easily i'd arguably learn that replacement effects are once you understand how replacement effects work you ask so less you get so many rules you you don't get as many rules wrong yeah and you understand the interactions so much better mm-hmm. um, i agree all right we've been talking for a bit we have i reckon wanna... we should take a thrifty interlude a thrifty one a break that won't cost you much money that's it <laughs> uh so we have lots of to talk about obviously including the barriers and uh the consequences i believe mm. was the two words that the space commanders used of the format being the way that it is but before that we're going to hear a little something about a thrifty card. And as is tradition, I will be pe- performing a monologue. And this week, it's the Cowled Merchant with some new wares. James, would you like to read the card I'll be featuring this week? I sure would. I feel like we're going to talk about a card that's similar to this later mm-hmm. on. But this one is like a couple of cents. So go pick it up. Uh, it's Bolt Bend. For three and a red, you get an instant that says this spell costs three generic mana less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater. Change the target of a target spell or ability with a single target. Ever wish electricity was a bit more bendy? Tired of your boring straight vanilla lightning? That sounds like an excellent flavour of gelato. And want to try some power that could go anywhere? Introducing the risk of your imminent electrocution. Never feel safe and secure ever again. Looking around thinking, every object is a hazard. I never realised how much metal I wear and I am fearing for my life. It hasn't been this much fun to utilize energy since I digested a watch battery. Completely. They scanned my feces and confirmed I have extra lithium in my bloodstream and no one knows what that will do to me or if I'll die. And the government told you lithium batteries weren't recyclable. <laughs> watch me. No. Me watch. Get budgeted. budgeted. I can really see the cowed merchant like on the street corner peddling this and he's just like holding a box of lithium batteries just being like anyone want one (laughs) he also could be pointing to a deflecting swat on the wall and being like $50 this is what you want bolt bend $1 I mean I know we're going to talk about this later Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah deflecting swat free spell that's pushing the format right Mm -hmm. this Oh, just mwah, great replacement. It's true. This is incredible. If your commander has four power, it's an auto-include. Well, straight I, up. I genuinely used to run this in my CDH list for Niv-Mizzet before Deflecting Swat came out. Wow. Uh, uh, when Deflecting Swat came out, it was just an obvious upgrade, mm-hmm. but it was good enough in a Niv-Mizzet Perun CDH list 
for me to run it. Because basically, yeah. if you just have Niv Mizzet on field and someone casts removal, because let's be real, Niv is important to a remove. A lightning rod, yeah. Yeah. But uh, never feel safe again. <laughs> <laughs> Bolt bend that shit away. Bolt bend. It's going somewhere else. Yeah. No, for sure. That's great. Well, you can check out these uh, as they're written in text form over on the Greensboro Commander Community Discord server every Thursday in the Thrifty Thursdays channel. And you can see us bring some of those to life in video form over on TikTok at Get Commanded. But let's get back to the topic at hand. Mm. Uh, we went into the pitfalls of the format. The barriers to the format, I think, was the next thing we wanted to go into based on what the Space Commanders said. Yeah, I think that the barriers of the format is like the barrier to entry. Like, it's it's like the... This is kind of a wall that's stopping more people joining the format. Yeah, you know what I mean? I think for it's, sure. It, and it's also things that are just generally bad while you're trying to start. Like, yeah. you know, you could push through and be persistent and get into the format, but you're going to have a pretty shit time because of these things. They're barriers, right? Like yeah. you can get through them, but you have to like penetrate them. <laughs> you yes. know, they, they have to be moved through in can't, order to get to where you need to get yeah, to. Can't go around the wall. Can't go over it. No, can't go under it. Can't. Got to go through Gotta it. Got to go through it. It's so true. We were discussing earlier about how complicated the game is. That's a big one. And I, I think, think. For, as a barrier to entry, this is a huge one. Like we did say that like even experienced players have so much to keep track of. Mm. Trying to teach a new player how to keep on top of Commander is just a terrible way to introduce them to Commander. Yeah. I think just as a general thing for this section, if you're trying to get a friend into Commander, maybe heed these warnings a little bit. Yeah. And if you've been sent this episode because you're trying to get into Commander, maybe follow the advice of how to navigate this. Because, Mm. yeah, like I explained before, four board states, four players, four graveyards, four sets of hands, four exile zones, four, you know... Yeah. There might be two Douthy Voidwalkers on field. You know how that Uh, works? Oh, gosh. Two Notion Thieves. That's fun. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Look... I think if we're, you know, this is our negative episode after all, I'm going to go ahead and uh, say, I don't think Commander is the format for new players. Nope, I agree. I don't think it's a good way to to learn how to play Magic. I think I was lucky enough that when I came into Commander, I'd already played a fair bit of Magic full stop already. Yeah. I had that going for me because I think that's the best way to play Commander is once you have a, a grasp of just how the game itself works, I think it's still going to be complicated, but you mm-hmm. can learn, but you can't, I don't start think it's a- with mad. You can't start with commander. No, and I think it's probably you know I've heard a lot of people say it's bad for the game itself that standard is not as popular as it used to be. Well, I started with standard. That's where I got my start in Magic. I started it's... just before Throne of Eldraine. Yep. And then I walked into Throne of Eldraine, and then standard fell apart. And I was like, <laughs> wow, this format's absolutely terrible. Yeah. What else is there? Oh, this commander thing was pretty <laughs> neat, and that's how I got into commander. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think. <laughs> Arguably, standard maybe um, limited, like draft. Yep, those are probably like pre-releases. The two, yeah, pre-releases. Like anything that really constrains the card pool is probably a better way to get into Magic. Yeah, honestly, maybe that's we just jump straight ahead to how to navigate out of the complication of the format and how we get new players into it in the first yeah. place. I think don't start them with Commander. I think start them on Arena. I actually agree with you here. I know the Arena client is not the best client full stop, but Mm. the tutorial for teaching on Arena is amazing. Yeah. And the fact that experienced players get shitty because they have to go through the tutorial Mm. and they already know all the rules... That's totally fair, but if you are a new player, that tutorial is done so well, explaining how mana values work, how yep. power toughness works yep. when blocking, tapping, untapping, all of that stuff. It does a great, great <laughs> job. Um, I would also say, when you're at your LGS, 
Go ask for starter decks. Yeah. These are free decks with mechanics that are incredibly simple. I think the only mechanics really are flying, reach, defender, haste. That's trample. There's trample. Yeah, probably trample, yeah. And vigilance. There is a vigilance in there, I think. There's definitely a vigilance. But like six core fundamental keywords that'll come up all the time. There's a, what what do they call them? Evergreen, right? Evergreen, yeah. Yeah. So these are printed in every set. Yeah. Yeah. Likely to be, yeah. Yeah. I think that these starter decks are incredible to teach people how to play. Like we actually uh, taught one of your friends a while ago at PAX Mm. um, with these starter decks. Yeah. And it was a great experience. It was really simple. You had a 30 card deck had just uh, like one bomb rare mm-hmm. and everything else was kind of like, do what you can. Yeah. Spend all your mana, see what you can do with it. Yeah. Like there's like still decision trees of, you know, should you remove something? Should you focus on damage? But if anything, that taught you more about the game. Like mm. um, the, the the decks we played against each other were white and red. And um, the oh, guy was teaching- very different decks. Polar opposites. The guy I was teaching was playing red. And so he, a couple of times he was like, wait, so I, either I can like- try to attack you now or I can like deal damage to your blocker and then attack after that. And I was like, yeah, that's what red, like that's the decision tree that red goes through. Like, do I remove stuff now? Do I deal damage to people's face? Like what's the the best bang for my buck here? And, and I got to kill people quickly as well. And then well. you got to experience the whole white gaining life thing. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a tough sell. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you resolved like a, a five mana 2-2 flyer that gained you four life on ETB or yeah. something. Yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry, man. This is a rough matchup for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think arena and the starter decks are great. Yes. Um, also, generally is a bit of a more social bit of advice Mm -hmm. avoid anyone that says ah you'll learn it as you go just jump into a game and learn commander as you go if anyone's trying to teach you that format i don't think no and they're gonna have a terrible time yeah they're gonna be and also probably the pod is gonna have a terrible time yeah like new players love them to bits but they don't understand how commander works Mm. and that game that we're playing is probably going to be an hour long because we have to explain every card about nine times. Mm-hmm. That's nothing against new players, but they need it. Yeah. That game's going to go for eight hours. Yeah. And like, that's not an understatement. No. <laughs> and it's not going to be fun for anybody in no. that game. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing, another barrier to the format is probably like, especially with Commander, building a deck for the first time mm. is a pretty... <laughs> It can be kind of heartbreaking, honestly. Like, oh uh, yeah, it's so common, especially when you come from pre-cons. Like, pre-cons are a reasonably good er- entry to the format, but when you then go to build your first deck, you're gonna get it wrong, and you're gonna be sat down in the pod and being like, "This deck sucks," and N- I suck, and I, I built suck. It. Nothing even works. Like, h- how do I even improve this deck? Where mm. do I start? Like, all this kind of stuff. And I also think, like, when you ask, like, because yeah, obviously you want to ask the experienced players at the at the store, mm. and they're probably gonna pull out a card and be like, "Why." Why are you running this? Yeah. And they're, they're probably going to maybe use language of like, oh, there's just a strictly better version of this or something like that. Mm. That's not demeaning. It's not meant to be demeaning. No. But as a new player, hearing... Like, I remember trying to build my first commander deck and I had experienced players like Daniel, for example, mm-hmm. one of the most best players at the store. He was like, this is a bad card. You shouldn't be running this. Yeah. I had people... I tried to build a life gain deck really early on and someone told me life gain is a trap in commander. And I was like... But like it's a whole yeah. mechanic surely you should be able to build that and like 
And also, how do you sift through? Like, some of that advice is sage advice. Some of that is yeah. not helpful. Like, life gain is a trapping commander. What? So you're telling me there's like 30 of the most played commanders ever that are just traps? That's yes. just like <laughs> bad advice. But if you're a new player, you can't differentiate between good advice and bad advice, right? Yeah. It's just all advice to you. And also, there's like 30,000 content creators. I know, like, we're the best content creators. <laughs> and we have a great deck building guide. It's and true. It, we, we've done a lot of episodes about deck building. But like, there are so many content creators that all have different templates Mm. all are saying different stuff and there are so many like quote exceptions to the rule of like oh this you know have five you know ten pieces of ramp but if you've got a low curve you know you don't have to worry about as much Mm. and then as a new player you're like what the fuck is a mana curve yeah you know like and so much of the language that is used early on is not necessarily explained. Like, there's so much assumed knowledge when it comes to deck building guides. Like, even when we talk about card draw, we've had people come up to us in the store before and be like, oh, yeah, my deck's got um, 12 bits of card draw in it. And then they're sort of, like, talking you through the card draw pieces and, it's, and you're sort of like, actually, you know, expedite that says Tiger Creature gains hastens on to turn, draw a card. That's not really what we would describe as card draw because you're just replacing that card in your hand. This is not something that's going to draw you multiple cards over the course of a game. Mm. It's not going to refill your hand if you need it to. Like, this is not a high quality card draw piece. It's good that it draws a card. Yeah, even Quick Study, which is one card that draws you two cards. Yeah. It's not enough. No, like, like yeah. often it's not the not as much as what you need. And so, yeah, it, it, it can be tough. Like assuming that people can just dive in and like watch a deck building guide and it's like, okay, you're going to need 10 bits of ramp. And it's like, if you're new to Commander, you're like, what is ramp? What on earth is ramp? Yeah. <laughs> um, and even like the resources that are out there, like um, even EDH Rec or Scryfall, mm. God, they're intimidating. Yeah. Like they, they look like you need a computer engineering <laughs> degree to navigate the website. 100%. Um, I think to navigate this struggle of deck building is... I would say picking up a precon and upgrading a precon is the best way to learn how to deck build because you mm. learn why precons can be more powerful and why they're limited. Mm-hmm. Like when you realize them, oh my God, I barely ever cast these really high CMC spells. Yeah. Maybe I should remove some of them and put in lower drops. Mm-hmm. They, You've learned something incredible in that moment yeah. when, you're, when you're upgrading a precon. And we actually did a guide on this like... 20 episodes ago now? A while ago now, yeah. But, but it's a guide to upgrading any precon. Yeah. It wasn't so just like a single precon. We did, like, here's how to upgrade any precon you buy. Yep. These are sort of the three main steps you'll want to take. And yeah. it's basically, yeah, reducing curve, you know, that kind of kind of, kind of thing is mm. going to be the best way to improve your precon. And yeah, I think, I think precons are also good because they give you such a strong basis, right? So then like when- Like the mana base is good. The yeah. fixing is decent. Yeah. So it's, it's a good space to build upon. Um, and without having so much that can go wrong. Like if, if you just put the wrong number of lands in a deck, it's so hard to come back from that. Like you can have yep. the perfect card draw and ramp and everything. But if you're playing 25 lands in your deck, you are your deck is very rarely, if ever, going to work. And you're going to be sitting around being like, oh my God, I'm a terrible deck builder. And it's like, if you start with a pre-con, if you're not taking lands out of your pre-con... Yeah, yeah that'll be a quick learning curve. <laughs> yeah, then you should be reasonably safe to make five to 10 swaps. Yeah. And there's like plenty of guides on like specific upgrades to precons, but Definitely. just generally also finding someone that will take the time with you, I think, is a yeah. good thing. Like someone find, you trust. Find the sage in the store. That Definitely. Kind of thing. But look, speaking of precons, mm-hmm. precons suck now too. <laughs> um, I. <laughs> Uh, the modern era of pre-constructed decks that are coming out, because they used to come out 
every what? Like once a year. There used to be like four pre-cons yeah, for Commander Yeah, straight up. They'd be like, Commander 2017, here's the four decks. That's yeah. it. And now there's one for every standard set. And there's like the new Doctor Who decks, which, mm. by the way, I just played the Doctor Who decks today. Firstly, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. Massive Doctor Who nerd. These decks for me were like two of my biggest passions colliding and mm-hmm. I had a great time. I loved it. Yep. I then put on my podcast hat for a second mm-hmm. and knew that I was recording this episode tonight <laughs> because I sneakily read the command before we came here. Very well done. Um, for a new player being like, oh, I'm a real big Doctor Who fan. I want to get into magic now because there's commander decks. Mm. I will show you a photo. I think I sent it to you actually. You while sent I was in me a photo of your, your board state. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like there were so many things going on and every Doctor Who card is like a legendary creature that does like a million things. Yeah. There's a reason I think that they now have specifically starter precon decks and it's because every other precon they make is complicated. There are so many different mechanics that are not mechanics they would print in standard very frequently because they're hard to keep track of. Well, usually even like with the new standard set, they'll print like the feature mechanic from that set. But just the one. Just the one. Like backup, for example, will be like the feature of this pre-con. Which is hard enough to understand already. But yeah, like when you're talking about some of the pre-con decks, especially Doctor Who, having looked through the the set list myself, there's like what? There's the villainous choice mechanic. Which is kind of like voting for Will of the Council, but it's not. But there's vanishing as well. Time counters. Suspending stuff with time counters. Well, vanishing also puts time counters on stuff. So then time travel is a new mechanic, which lets you remove time counters or add add time counters, which means you have to remember that suspended cards you want to remove counters from, vanishing cards you probably want to add counters to. There's other things that get stronger the more time counters they have on them. But your sagas use law counters, not time counters. So when you time travel, you can't speed up But then if you proliferate, you might want to put time counters. Oh my God. Like it's, there's so much going on. It's pretty insane. Um, The other thing that I kind of don't like about pre-cons right now is how expensive they're getting. Oh, the Commander Masters pre-cons? Ridiculous. Gosh, I was I'm in sorry. the store today and I was like looking, I was about to, we had to do poor prizes and I was looking at the Commander um, pre-con sort of shelf They're there. like over a hundred now, right? There's like a, I think the Sliver pre-con is like $170. $170. Something absurd like that. This is Australian dollars, by the way, and it might not be the same where you are, but this Holy is also hell. a separate problem with MSRP, but we won't go into that right now. Yeah. But yeah, the, the price of some of these pre-cons that are quote like premium products, even though they don't call them premium, products we know they're premium products because of like the quality mm. of the cards in them they've got like slightly more value than a regular pre-con and they're twice the price and it's like this doesn't add up and remember this is wizards trying to be like oh let's make a product that will get players into commander yeah i'm sorry a sliver deck to get into commander yeah. why would you ever I and also know. a sliver deck that contains an alternate commander where things that aren't slivers are also slivers like that's just not yeah. something that's starter friendly. The the precon the the starter commander decks though, big fan of those. Yeah, I actually think they're great. They're priced reasonably. Yeah, uh, they're simple mechanics and they are very fun. Like they have a mm. theme and the theme. The color theory comes in out yeah. of those decks really strongly. Do, are we in agreement that um, I personally would be so happy if they came out with instead of like the Commander twenty twenty or Commander twenty twenty one or whatever, they had starter commander twenty twenty three. Yes. 
I would yes. be so happy if every year we got new starter commander decks and then it would mean the shelves were always stocked yep. with decks that like when someone comes into the store and it's like, I want to play, try playing commander, you could be like, cool, there are these decks from this year, last year's decks are fine, yep. even the year before that is fine. I would be so happy to see that. I would love that, love. And also I think that this would be really cool. Like in our local game store, um, the Greensboro Commander community, like the community that runs Commander Night, mm -hmm. they have these pre-con decks shut, like sleeved up in deck boxes ready to go. Yeah. And they use it to introduce people to the format. And I love it. How about every local game store from Wizards gets all the pre-cons with sleeves shuffled, like maybe with magic promotional sleeves, like yeah. love your LGS, like a promo or something. And then the store can just keep them on hand. And when someone comes in being like, I want to learn Commander, they give them four pre-cons and say, I'll Here's play with you. I'll play with you. Yeah. We've got these two guys over here. They'll jump in as well. That would be so, so good. I love that idea. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, in regards to like walking into an LGS though, mm -hmm. um, for a new player, that is terrifying. I know we oh, yeah. spoke about it before a little bit, but specifically with the lens of a new player, I think even just going into a Discord server, which is a common place to meet commander mm. players because a lot of people play on spell table. It's daunting. It's yeah. really, really scary. It's a very masculine, white male totally. dominated area. If you're neurodivergent or queer or a person of color. Or even just like femme presenting in any way. Yeah. It's a really big barrier where, you know, you know that you could enter spaces where someone might mansplain something to you that or would just, be very common that would be super common but even just or just like weird comments or people getting overly excited about you getting into the thing that they like and then telling you all about it like all of these things are mm. are just like difficult social interactions to navigate i guess is how i would describe yeah. it and so yeah like the idea of entering a space like that is a scary one you don't know like you know our local game store is super um queer friendly and super femme person like friendly we actually have like probably the most queer store <laughs> in the world in the best possible way in, in, the, in the best way because like everyone's feels so comfortable and like i actually love the fact that we have had people in our community at our lgs come out to the community of commander players as gay or trans mm. before their parents before yeah. their friends like so that's how safe the spaces yeah. can be but yeah if you don't know that you know all, all game stores look the same to you from the outside yeah. right like you, you don't know that you're walking into that store necessarily um i guess i would say the way to navigate this probably is to really try and find that safe local game store i think especially if you have a a regular play group of people who who do know you and know your identity and know the way that you mm -hmm. move through the world they will understand which stores are probably the ones for you maybe yeah. that's a good way to like vet which store you're going to go to is like hey i'm thinking of going to a store to play commander like which one do you guys tend to go to that's most friendly to people like us you yeah know? i completely agree and also like you know talk to the staff at the store mm -hmm. first like trying to go in and talking to people that are sitting down playing a game that's really scary but the staff are there to help you yeah and the staff know the regulars in the store as well lean on them that shout out to the staff members at all lgs's you guys are the true mvps yeah like genuinely 100 percent. and if you're playing in melbourne by the way please join our discord server we yeah. regularly organize games for people playing either out at, uh, at greensboro where the greensboro commander community is located but also at plenty of games in the city and even if you're not going to one of those two stores there's enough collective knowledge in our discord server across the moderator team the admin yep. and all that kind of stuff that if you said like i live in this area of melbourne i want to find a game store here's kind of what kind of game 
games I'm looking for, someone will know. 100%. For sure. And even if you're not in Melbourne, even if you're in Brisbane or even if you're in California or even if you're in London, join the server. Yeah. It's, it's not just for our local community. We have Spell Table. Totally. We have... Spell Table games are a great way to play with people who are like, you know what the games are going to be like with yeah. Spell Table. And I really enjoy um, playing with people around the world on Spell Table. Absolutely. Sure. It's the best thing about it, really. For sure. All right. I reckon we can move into the consequences right. of the format of Commander now. So this is what the the Space Commanders were saying about, the, you know, the format's ubiquity. The consequence, so the fact that Commander is ubiquitous, mm. right? It's played all the time. It's the most popular format. We know that about Commander now. The consequences of it occupying that spot. This is what we're talking about yeah. now, right? What, what has happened as a result of this being the best format? Sure. I think, obviously, the place to start here is the product overload that we're experiencing big time and like the made for commander products we'll go into that a little bit but like i think like everything is legal in our format yeah everything and wizards know that so why make two three standard sets a year when we can make five and why not make release one special master's product a year when we can release two and oh what about a secret layer drop with this and this and this what about um you know oh there's doctor who precon and all this kind of stuff and like how the hell do you A, keep up with the spoilers, B, keep your deck up to date, and how the hell do you afford it all? Oh, like, yeah. I have just recently booked a trip to... Actually, by the time this episode comes out, I might actually be over there. <laughs> yeah, Wibbly sure. wobbly timey wimey. But I am going to or currently in England. Mm -hmm. Getting to England is very, very expensive. Yeah. Going around and traveling around England is also very expensive. Going, going up to Scotland and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of math. Um... Yeah, I probably have spent less on the accommodation. <laughs> it's going to shock you. I've probably spent less on the accommodation for my trip to England. Granted, I'm staying with a lot of family and friends while uh -huh. I'm there, but I've probably spent less on my accommodation than my Niv-Mizzet Perun deck costs. Wow. I yeah. mean, <laughs> doesn't shock me that much, mostly because I know what your Niv-Mizzet Perun <laughs> deck costs. <laughs> And the fact Your that box I, field has this really nice feature at the, the bottom. Yeah, it's got a little it. price tag yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> but like, it's it's ridiculously expensive to yeah. play commander, and like, no one is gonna be a commander player. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. If you exist and you're out there, but if you're a commander player, that's like, I have one commander deck. That's it. Yep. That's all I'm going to build. You are rare, my friend. I'm never going to put any upgrades in this and I'm not going to build another one. a diamond in the rough. And boy, is it rough. <laughs> <laughs> it must be rough for you. I actually saw someone online who had a single commander deck. Really? The other day. Yeah, it was very strange. I was like, do you play in the same place all the time? And they were like, no. And I was like, okay, this deck looks super powerful. Do you ever have a problem with that? And he was like, no. And I was like, you're a liar. <laughs> There is no way. They were like, oh, I travel a lot for work, so I play in different game stores all the time. And I was like, you are a liar. <laughs> you are having problems in the stores you go to. It's just that you play one game and leave. And the other three people in that pod are reeling from what just happened and to probably them. Like if we, I don't know. Who, did you see where he came from? <laughs> I, I've never where seen that, that guy guy's before. guy's car? I'm going to key it right now. Um, sorry. 
It's, it's the negative episode, man. It brings it out of it's, me. Uh, we've been heated. It's getting warm in this room. <laughs> Look, I think to navigate the tricky thing of all of the, the product overload, because yeah. we spoke about it in an episode a long time ago now with a friend of ours, Cooper Stubbs. The only guest on the podcast so far. Yeah, so far. Uh, um, that was the burnout episode, though. Yes. Yeah. And um, that was a lot about product burnout in sp- particular, because that was something that Cooper was struggling with. It's something I was struggling with I'm at the time of the episode. Yeah. I think it's a pretty much perpetual state for most Commander players these days. And we go into that like in detail that you don't have to buy into the spoiler season. You don't have to. Well, actually, we have definitive proof now that you don't need to keep your decks up to date with the latest stuff. No, the great freeze. I uh, did not edit any of my decks for three months. Yep. And um, shocker, none of them went out of date. (laughs) Well, also, we did a further experiment because Stubbsy, the guest on that episode that famously at the time stopped playing Commander, Mm -hmm. is now playing Commander again. Yeah. And he's back and he's like really enjoying the format again. Like he's he's playing both casual and CEDH. Mm -hmm. He's really invested in upgrading his decks again. Yeah. But for a while, he kind of just dipped his toe back in the water. Yeah. And all of his decks were like, what, two years? Um, Two years or one year without Maybe about 18 months, I reckon, without without a single upgrade, yeah. And he won a lot. Yeah. Like... The decks were great. They were great. And they were really cool. And they looked thematic and looked fun. Yeah. You don't need to buy into everything. And if you've read Walt's articles about tinkerers versus architects, (laughs) maybe try the architect lifestyle. Yeah. Maybe just just try and do the great freeze like Walt did. Don't Mm. edit your decks. See if you can survive <laughs> i mean look the more than anything focus on playing commander that was the gist of all of those pieces of content yeah. the architects versus tinkerers uh, article the burnout episode all of it was basically saying all of these things are sort of cunning corporate distractions from the fact that the game of magic is the game of magic yeah it doesn't matter which cards you play with it's the people you play with and it's the way you play them for sure um and yes you don't need to be up to date on everything and speaking of the corporate world that Mm. we inhabit there. Kind of alluded to this a second ago. Yeah. A a further problem with the format being the way it is, and specifically in terms of products, is the strength of the products that come out. Yeah. So, yeah. Made for Commander cards in particular, there's two to three of them per year, really, that are kind of like, quote, must include index. We're talking about... Colour staples. Yeah. Like... Dockside Extortionist, for instance. Like, if you are playing for pure power that is an absolute red staple at 90% of commander games the fact that they printed free spells if you control your commander like deflecting swat and fierce guardianship yeah even obscuring haze like i know it's cheaper but it's still really good great magic Um, card but like the fact that they printed this and everyone was like wow these are breaking the format and then wizards reprinted them yeah. in a Commander Legend set that's a product that's made for Commander players, marketed yeah. to Commander players. I am going to call this profiteering. Yeah. Like genuine, like, yeah. Profiteering, if you don't know the defining, the like the definition of profiteering, it's making corporate action based on only making money and generally doing it with kind of questionably ethical, like, not incredibly ethical ways mm-hmm. like preying on the dependency of people or yeah. preying on the the addiction or something mm. like that that's profiteering yeah and i i think that wizards is engaging in profiteering not maybe to a criminal level yeah um they're just making products and you know their parent company hasbro is wanting them to move that line mm-hmm. up the up the mark and they're doing a great job of that but like 
they are making products that are marketed to commander players even when you know that they shouldn't be like yeah. for example with like standard sets that come out mm-hmm. you can look at those standard sets and go wow this card is terrible in 60 card limited or yeah. you know like or a draft environment but holy hell is it a commander staple or a bomb oh yeah L- lotho corrupted sheriff from the lord of the rings thing whenever yeah. a player um, cast their second spell each turn. I think you like lose a life and make a treasure token. That's for a two CDH mana. staple now. CDH staple. That card is terrible in 60 card magic. Yes. It's losing you life and get, getting you one mana out of it. I mean, look, maybe there's a deck out there that, that plays it. I'm not up to date on standard right now, but that is certainly geared towards commander more so than 60 card magic and even the fact that they're making commander precons with unique cards that aren't in the main set and aren't legal in standard oh yeah but are legal in commander like that you mentioned the doctor who precons the yeah. everybody lives the card oh my god for what two a mana card. for one and a white it's an instant um per, like creatures gain hexproof and indestructible slender turn Basically, it's got another line of text on it, and then it says, players can't lose the game or win the game this turn. Yep, so it's like... The ultimate answer. For two mana, you can answer anything. As long as it resolves, like, how are you losing that that turn? It's also a scene from one of the best Doctor Who episodes it's, ever. That's why it hurts so much, James. I know. <laughs> that card is beautiful. The art is beautiful. The, th- the, the flavor, flavor is text is great. Just this once rose, everybody lives. Yeah. Like, but oh they, my God. They pushed the hell out of the, the power of that card. And look, I look, I think, you know, you said you used the word profiteering before. I don't think that's out of place. I would point to a really great anecdote I remember hearing from the Command Zone team sure. where they were invited to, to test for Commander Legends when this came out. This was a few oh, years ago now. Oh, I remember this. So they yeah. were asked to, to test for Commander Legends. They um, played a bunch of games with the cards and then were allowed to offer feedback. They said to Wizards, we don't like Jeweled Lotus. Don't print Jeweled Lotus. It's bad for our format. They could not have been any clearer on that. You know, Josh Lee Quire is on the Commander Advisory Group. They actually they went... host the biggest Commander podcast ever. Like these are the some of the biggest names in Commander. Full stop. And they said, "Don't print this card." Yeah. They also, by the way, did not see a single card that looked like Hull Breacher. Yes, the which... card that eventually got banned. Correct. And like Hull Breacher is one of the few cards on the ban list that me and you got. To play with on release mm-hmm. and see what the format looks like after its release. And it was awful. It was a bad time to be in the format. It was a race to get Hullbreaker. If yeah. you're in a blue deck, it was who's going to get Hullbreaker uh, Hull, Hull Hull first. Yeah. Hullbreaker Horror is the new card. That's also yeah. a terribly pushed <laughs> <It's> card. <true. laughs> but like, yeah. And we saw the effect on the format and we saw the misery it caused. Mm. I feel like it's comparable to the prime time yeah like kind of era of yeah. commander but the, specifically what i'm saying is like the fact that for one the the feedback that was offered on jeweled lotus was disregarded ignored that's to me just says profit it's a yep. mythic rare they wanted to sell packs with mythic rares the fact that Holbridge wasn't there at all like surely to me that so heavily implies a world where they're in r&d they're testing all the cards it's just about to get released <clears throat> excuse me and someone and like, someone higher up goes this. you need to print one more card that Everyone must have in their commander decks. Another chase. There has to be at least one card that everyone will want and will need in their decks because we have to sell packs. Yeah. That's so heavily implied to me in that story that I just believe it. I just believe it now. Do you know how many hull breaches I have? <laughs> so many. I have seven. <laughs> seven. <laughs> I have seven copies <sighs> of a... What is it now? Like... $2? It's got to be like nothing. Because it, everyone nothing. wanted it's not, them. It's, it's also nothing. not good in any other format. I can't imagine it would be. No, I Maybe don't like, think... 
I don't even legacy think or something? I don't no. even think legacy is doing anything. Opponent with draws that. their second card. You make, make a treasure, treasure and they don't draw for three, three mana. mana with flash. Ah, oh, it's probably not worth it. It's a shit body. It's as probably well. like a three or four dollar card. It's a rare from three years ago, but it's not going to get much higher than that. And yeah, I have two copies in my binder still. <laughs> yeah, I sold like I played a lot of Commander Legends when it came out, and I sold multiple copies of that card yeah. for a lot of money. And yeah, that's now not worth nothing. Yeah. How do you reckon we navigate? Profiteering, like I mean, it's probably similar to the advice we gave before, yeah. right? Like you don't have to buy all these cards; you can ignore them sometimes. Like if you see that pushed card, disregard it. You I know? actually think there's something to say here about um, the fact that the the cards that are being pushed and like pushing the format to the highest power. If you're enjoying them and your play group isn't, try CEDH. Yeah. If, if you're not in the CDH realm yet, that's the place that you can explore and experiment with these broken cards. 100%. Like, when, when they get spoiled, people will be like, I'm testing this. I'm brewing it. Like when Talion got spoiled, Talion is now like considered one of the best blue-black value mid-range commanders you could possibly have. Yeah. It's amazing. And Talion was like, people were running like, you know, scraps of paper in a sleeve being like, I'm running <laughs> this Talion. Talion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, try CDH. I think if you're kind of engaged with it in a way that you're like positive about these pushed cards and mm. you're hearing people be negative about them in a casual setting yeah cdh is the setting for that go yeah. play that it's the place to play those yeah. cards and it's the best place it's honestly the place where they probably some of them shine the most yeah for sure cards like lotho and like esper sentinel are stronger in cdh and than they are in casual I everybody lives is probably going to be going in cdh decks for yeah sure. definitely um, just while we're talking about everybody lives bit of a side tangent because mm-hmm. i know it's like a hot take for everyone Universes beyond, yeah. In general, that's probably bad, right? Or like in mm. general, bad. This is a really hard one for me because I, play, like I said, I played the Doctor Who decks today. I yeah. played a full game with the pre-constructed decks in a pod with the plane chase cards, mm-hmm. and I had a great time. But like yeah. I said before, that is not a new player friendly thing. No. It's also not magic. Like, I'm never ever, I'm sorry, I'm not going to look at K9 and be like, ah, yes, I will give K9 fire breathing. How sad is it? Because I know you you mentioned this. I want to do this because it's sad for me when this happens. When K9, you realize that K9 was probably hyper playable in your Yuriko deck. Yeah. Was that a little bit painful? A little bit. Because I'm like, Yuriko for me is this like, I believe Yuriko's Dominarian or is she from Kamigawa? Actually, don't I'm not know. sure, actually. Anyway, but, like, she is a magic card to me. Yeah. And, like, she is forced, first and foremost in the magic lore, regardless of if I know it or not. But, like, the ninjas stuff from Kamigawa to me is, like, I'm on the plane of sneaky, like, cyberpunk ninjas yeah. or, like, this ancient Japanese kind of land and mm-hmm. I love that about the theme of the deck I even put like cards that aren't quite CD8 or like not high powered in my Yuriko deck because the flavor of it is yeah. but K9 is a robot dog yeah. I mean, you could argue that someone on Neon, Neon, Neon Dynasty's Kamigawa <laughs> might have made a robot yeah. dog at some point. But, like, yeah, I have the same thing, basically, where, yeah. you know, I remember when the Warhammer 40k cards were coming out. Yeah. And some of those are super pushed. There's, like, you know, that oh my God, Canoptech just... something that when it enters from a graveyard, you exile target non-land permanent. Wow. It's a colorless card. Like, any reanimator list, even if you're not in black, wants that card in yeah. it. Yeah. 
it is a little bit painful to me <laughs> when they spo- like have universes beyond cards that are strictly better versions yeah. of effects because it's like I actually feel as though the flavor experience of my deck is being yeah like you say it's being Affected, di- yeah. it's being diluted a little bit by the presence of these cards that don't quite fit well, you know th- there's arguments to be made like if Warhammer 40k fits with the decks that you build and you love the Warhammer 40k universe, you feel like it slots into Magic the Gathering really well. Like it could be a plane of magic? Yeah, you can 100% play them. But I do think that there is some amount of detriment that happens when these cards are strictly better versions of effects. I think it's fine when they're reskins. I'm totally fine with the reskins. I love that. I love the like fact the that Godzilla they... was the first that they did it for, right? The yes. Godzilla Ikoria set. But they've also now done it for all the Stranger Things characters from that yeah, secret Yeah, they finally layer. printed all those as actual yeah. cards. They've done, they, oh, they haven't done the, that for Walking Dead because they said they wouldn't. But every other mm. set is getting the same thing where they're... Like they did it for, oh, no, um, they have now. Have they? They have. They've made the like um, the the shovel or the whatever is like now Geese's shovel. Oh, they have totally done is. that. They, they yeah. actually did do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and even the... Um, uh, the Street Fighter. They actually printed like Dulcim is the whatever the Dulcim I think was the name of the Street Fighter guy. I think if I'm not mistaken. But now there's like Tadius. I think yeah. is the name of the like universes within version of the. Card. I was talking about this with a, a friend of mine at the game store today about the universes beyond stuff and the universes within replacements. And I was like, I would love it if they did all of the Lord of the Rings a version with a universes within card and all of the Doctor Who mm. stuff with the universes within. But like, I'm sorry, I'm never ever going to look at like the TARDIS as a magic no. content card. Like I, I, I never ever will see the TARDIS and go, yep, that's a plane that magic planeswalkers mm. can go to. Like, wouldn't it be a weird crossover if Jace met the 10th Doctor? I think they'd get along. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not quite right. It's not quite right. It's interesting you say that though. And I think this is the tough thing with Universes Beyond is it is so personal what fits and what doesn't. Because for me... Maybe it's because I'm so invested in Lord of the Rings in every way. Lord of the Rings was seamless to me. With yeah, magic. it's also high fantasy. I mean, it's to be the fair, same genre, I think. To be fair, I think Richard Garfield has been quoted on saying that like Lord of the Rings was an inspiration for like parts of Dominaria. Yeah. I can 100% believe yeah. that. Like, and even just story beats and... I mean, the fact that goblins are a huge thing. Like, yeah, that, that's, that's Lord of the Rings, that's, right? Yeah, that's true. Where so much of that comes from. But, like, I will say, I don't own a single Warhammer 40k card at all. I don't have one. Yeah. Any. I think I have, like, one. Maybe one oh, in you've total. you've got that Cascade-y thing, don't you? Yeah, in the Cascade deck, there's the one that says, whenever land is battlefield from anywhere other than your hand, you make a 3-3 spawn. That's great. It's extremely strong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't have to play them. 100%. That, yeah. In fact, if we're going to have a, a little mini thing here about Universes Beyond and how you navigate Universes Beyond, yeah, just don't play the cards. Yeah. Don't buy the products. No. Like, it's totally fine. It doesn't have to be for you. And it's a tough sell, I think, especially from people who've been playing Magic for a long time, yeah. where every product was kind of for every player. But yeah. it's just not the game that we play anymore. And I also think if you're going up against people that are enjoying it, don't yuck someone's yum. No. I think just let them enjoy what they're enjoying. Yeah. And, and, and like if you're versing a Doctor Who deck with your magic deck, go kill the Doctor. Yeah. Like if you if you have a bit of a vendetta against the Doctor, <laughs> go kill the Doctor. Use the mechanics of the game yeah. to dismantle the things you don't enjoy. Blasphemous active Blas- ass. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Seems good. The last thing I want to point out Mm -hmm. which i think is incredibly ironic yeah is that the consequence of our format being so popular and being so great and having so many players Mm -hmm. is that everybody has a hot take (laughs) everybody (laughs) thinks that they are the you know the most 
influential or, yeah. or forward-thinking commander player to exist. And I know we just spent nearly an hour and a half talking about <laughs> our, our hot, hot takes, takes yeah. but everyone has it. Yeah. Everyone does. And even people without a podcast mm-hmm. have them. And, and yeah, yeah, I think it'll be up to you to decide what your path looks like, right? Yes. And yeah. I think that's how to navigate it is just like... Don't listen. I think the big thing for me is, especially with the hot takes that are so negative, and I know this episode is a big, it's called the negative episode, sure, but we really tried to give you tools in this episode to navigate the negative stuff. Yeah. And if you can avoid listening to, quote, the haters, Mm -hmm. just do that. Yeah. Enjoy the game for what it is. 100%. Well, our format is amazing, but that does not mean it's perfect. Nothing really is. So the best thing you can do or we can all do is remember why we're playing this game in this way, the format, and it's to have fun. So find the parts of the game you love and enjoy them. As for the stuff you don't like, don't just complain about them. Navigate yourself, your playgroup, which are your friends, through them. With this mindset, nothing can, quote, ruin our format. So, Space Commanders, Command, command received. received. All right. All right. Nice. Do we want to take a deep breath now? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's better. Uh, much right. better. To so- the listeners, do you feel commanded? What do you think about our format as a whole? Do you think it's healthy? Do you think there's some bad things about it? What do you think? Yeah. Speaking of everyone having a hot take, let's hear your hot yeah. takes. <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with us a bunch of different ways. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or threads. We're at Get Commanded on all platforms. You can send us an email, or as we mentioned a couple times this episode, you can join the Greensboro Commander Community Discord server. You can chat with us, other members of our playgroup. You can ask your judge questions. You can play over spell tables. There's basically an option for absolutely everybody in there. Uh, and it's the absolute best way to hang out with us. For sure. And if if you can, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast. I think Google Podcast is gone now. So I yep. think they're dead. But yeah, also tell your friends about us. We're growing. We're doing some incredible stuff. And we're going to have an incredible 2024. Mm-hmm. I just know it. So get on the Get Commanded bandwagon early. Yep, 100%. And don't forget, of course, to check out our Patreon page, which is linked in the show notes for the more ways to support our podcast directly. We'd like to thank our patrons, Stella Tam, Fuzzy, and Bottomless Potamus, and an extra special shout out to Fletcher Cutting, who supports us in the Space Commander tier. You're the best. You are the best. And once more, thanks again to Palms Off Gaming for sponsoring this podcast. Um, Palms Off Gaming is an incredible Australian local-based company that make really nice sleeves, really cool deck boxes, the best binders, in my opinion. They're Mm, so good. Really nice. Um, And if you would like to check them out, you can go to palmsoffgaming.com.au forward slash hashtag get commanded or use the discount code COMMANDED10 to receive a huge, very generous 10% off your whole purchase. And you're going to support our content at the same time. So thanks, palms off. Um, .com.au forward slash hashtag get commanded. Yep. You got to get that forward slash and the hashtag in there, but you'll get that 10% discount. It'll be great. And yeah, I'm looking forward to 2024 with um, Palms Off Gaming because they've yeah. got some uh, new sleeves on the horizon, yeah. which is really cool. And uh, some potentially more content to be mm. made with them. I know that Jack and Darcy, both the owners, are magic novices, mm-hmm. and we're going to do our best to introduce them to the world of Commander. Yeah. I hope we get to work with them some more for sure. Well, looking forward to it. I reckon that's just about all the magic-related stuff we have time for. Mm -hmm. So I reckon we should planeswalk out of here. Planeswalk away. Into something not magic-related. I think it's your turn for memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, okay. 
I wanted to start uh, a planeswalk with a very exciting thing, but I just want to shout out my partner, Theo, mm-hmm. as a planeswalk as a whole. Um, but something very specifically incredibly exciting has happened for Theo in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theo has started testosterone hormone replacement therapy, uh, which is so exciting. Huge step for um, for, for those that don't know Theo, Theo is my partner. Theo is non-binary, they, them pronouns, um, and has always felt that... Um, their the body that they have doesn't reflect who they are inside mm-hmm. and there is a lot of masculine traits that they would like to see on the outside of them uh their own body and yeah testosterone is the route to do it yeah and it is a big big thing mm. it's it's huge um it's I was, literally changing the makeup of your body yeah like, your body chemistry theo's voice is gonna drop yep. and they're gonna get like a little more muscular their and, like, jawline's gonna get bigger yeah, and stronger more and, facial hair like it's a huge transformation and i'm i can't be more proud of them yeah like i was in huge the, step. I was in the room when they got the needle, and the needle, by the way, has to go into your butt. Uh, <laughs> it, not not into the butthole, but the, no. the, the juicy buttock. Yes. Um, and and for those who don't know, it does circulate to the rest of your body. So don't worry, it's not just Theo's butt <laughs> that's, that's getting the testosterone boost. Extremely jacked just glutes. Re- Only the glutes, though. Sculpted ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the needle that went in, a trigger warning for anyone that doesn't like needles. Mm-hmm. Um, my God. God, it was thick. It's a big boy. It was a big boy. And the, the, the liquid is quite viscous. Ew, um, very viscous thick. Liquid. And it takes like a full minute and a half to do the injection. You have to do it really slowly, which right. I didn't know. Um, but I actually self-inject for my own medication anyway. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't nervous, but it was a little bit. Yeah, understandable. Um, but also just generally, I wanted to shout out my partner because they're doing some incredible stuff at the moment. Um, they did the art for this podcast. Um, yeah. And all the, the like branding elements that get commanded have like the little uh icons the logo the text the everything you see on the stream even yep all of that stuff is made by theo and they're incredible and they've just recently um applied for an actual artist job with a clothing company to do um like yeah design clothes basically wow it's really amazing and i sat with them the other night uh doing like well they did it all i was just kind of looking over their shoulder going wow you're so incredible um <laughs> of their portfolio so they now have like a professional portfolio together oh, great. so if you want to check out theo's stuff mm-hmm. as always they are linked in our show notes yes it's at dustbin raccoon on instagram specifically yeah, yeah. and i'm pretty sure they're probably going to create an email at dustbin raccoon of cool. some description because they're getting really serious about it um they've done a bunch of commissioned work not only for us like we commissioned theo very professionally mm-hmm. um they've done some local Local companies around like the northeast Melbourne area. They did a gardening company, um, their brand work and all that kind of stuff. They've also done um, custom magic cards before, so that's an option as well. I've yeah, seen so people you, get if, proxies of like Sliver Queen and Urza Lord High Artificer and stuff. Yeah, the Urza one was dope. It was Elsa. Yeah, uh, it was Urza. It was like Urza's face with the beard, but in Elsa's dress. And then the construct was Olaf, which yeah. I thought was really cute. I loved the detail of the buttons being like little cogs. And yeah. The um, carrot being metal. Yeah, like a yeah, the carrot, like an automaton. Yeah. made of snow. Very cute. And the arms, not sticks. They're like yeah. metal robot arms. It was cool. It the art is incredible. So go check them out. They've always been linked in our description. But um, my partner is awesome, and that's my plane walk yep. for for this week. I respect it, and huge step for Theo to be on T. Huge, good, good for them. Huge, awesome. I'm, couldn't be some, couldn't be more proud. Love it. Well, that's all we have time for. So we'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players.